Hello, spooky friends. It's Blair Bathory again, your hostess bringing you weekly scares because I care. As much as I love to put you on edge, don't forget to check in with yourself from time to time. Even as your ghoulish narrator, I still maintain a balance between the wicked and the restful. I hope you'll rest in peace following my stories this week. (laughs) Our nerves can be a good thing. They are a symptom of our instincts, telling us something big is about to happen, be it exciting or dangerous. But when our nerves get overworked, it can turn into anxiety and paranoia. Thinking something is always wrong could drive anyone mad. The question is, are you just overreacting? Or is death lurking around the corner? First, breathless and dying, followed by a deadly time warp, then a family haunting. Finally, in our featured story, Killer Nerves. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcast or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? Deadly Paranoia. You can't judge a book by its cover because you never know the chaos that's going on inside. Like in this story written by CPR. Based on appearance, Callie seemed like a regular teenage girl, a capable student who participated in various activities ranging from soccer to violin practice. Teachers loved her and fellow classmates admired her. She seemed to have it all, but little did anyone know it was only a facade. One Friday afternoon, as Callie walked home, she couldn't help but critique her performance during play rehearsal. Your facial expressions were ridiculous. Your voice is ear-splitting. I hope the makeup was enough to hide those ugly bags under your eyes. As Callie continued to berate herself, she didn't notice the once pleasant wind begin to pick up, turning into a sharp rush of air. The snippy comments turned into a barrage of insults. The wind continued to blow and heave, seemingly fueled by her self-deprecation. Her ears filled with a rattling sound, making her even more agitated. Callie's mind raced, listing all the things she believed she'd done wrong, but she stopped as she felt the air in her lungs squeeze out from her body. She could hear blood racing through her veins in desperation to keep stable. She realized, to her horror, she was paralyzed. Stiffly, she turned her head to see her attacker when she felt something wrap around her feet. In front of Callie's eyes lay a creature. Its placid face appeared feminine, yet ravaged with scars. Its black hair served as a band as it began to squeeze Callie's torso tight. The creature's snake-like body was wrapped around her legs with its coils of ebony scales. As it opened its mouth, it revealed a sort of vacuum that sucked Callie's breath away. Hey, Callie, you okay? A friend shouted. 
Slowly, the creature's grip began to loosen and the vacuum lessened as Callie paid more and more attention to her friends. Hey, Cal, great job on your performance today. Finally, Callie took a big gulp of air and felt her lungs expand. Her heart rate lowered. The voices seemed to trail away. The sudden relaxation of her limbs caused her to collapse. Her friends rushed to her in panic. Callie knew she couldn't tell her friends what happened. She simply told them she was overextended and exhausted. It couldn't have been real, she told herself. Each time the creature slithered back, squeezing tighter as the inner voices became louder. Her paranoia seemed to spread to her relationships, her friends keeping their distance due to Callie's lack of openness. This only exacerbated her behavior as she no longer had her friends to free her from the creature's grip. It seemed that the beast was the only presence she could count on. Callie's grandma soon began to notice her granddaughter's listlessness and asked what was wrong. It's always there, Callie intoned. This feeling, I can't stop it. It just follows me everywhere I go. I'll never be free. Her grandmother surprised her with the reply. This entity is as real as any physical woe. It feeds on your negative energy, passion, and your mind. It will leave you a mere shell of yourself. But all hope is not lost. The older woman took the ruby necklace off her weathered neck and gently placed it onto Callie's. Whenever you feel the creature come near you, just grab this necklace to bring you back home. As the voices fill your head, take deep breaths and remember all the good that you have done and that I love you. Callie looked at her grandmother in disbelief, but really, what other choice did she have? That night, Callie went to bed with her grandmother's instructions at the forefront of her mind. As she tossed and turned, the voices began their nightly rounds. I can't believe you got that question wrong. No one wants to hear you complain. You see, this is why you have no friends. You are so sensitive. No wonder people push you around. Like clockwork, Callie felt the tightening of her chest as the creature lifted her off the bed. Buzzing filled the room as it rattled Callie's bones. Her heart was held in a vice grip as her blood rushed to her head. The creature's vacuum-like mouth began to get ready for its daily feeding. With all her strength, Callie pulled her arm from the creature's grasp and clutched the necklace. She closed her eyes and tried to remember the day's events through the fog. I helped a friend study. I crushed that solo in choir. I am loved. With each positive thought, Callie could feel its grip on her loosen as the necklace appeared to anchor her toward the bed. The creature hissed and moaned, troubled that it was losing control. Callie's lungs deflated as her breaths became less labored. The buzzing and voices finally drifted away. Callie opened her eyes, searching for the entity. The creature, angered at its defeat, skulked back into the shadows. Callie softly sighed. Although the creature was still there, she was relieved to have found something to keep it at bay. She was just thankful that she could finally have one night of calm, peaceful sleep. Have you ever felt like you've had a creature stalking you? 
interfering in your life? How did you slay your dragon? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We all know screen time is terrible for us. We couldn't begin to imagine how deadly it could be. Like in this creepypasta-inspired tale by Janine Pipe. Lainey stared again at the disc. She doubted many people her age would even know what it was. But as an avid gamer with a keen interest in retro stuff, she had recognized it immediately. And since she inherited her interest from her dad, even knew there was a console in the garage that used the archaic object. At first, she planned to record it all and use the footage for her YouTube channel, maybe even live stream it, but something stopped her. For a reason she couldn't explain, she didn't want to share her find just yet. So instead of switching on her camera and streaming, she plugged in the old PC and inserted the disc knowing she was the only one watching. It took a while to fire up and load, as was to be expected, but finally the screen began to flash. Slowly the words appeared. Enter name. She complied and the screen changed. Welcome, Lainey, to the lair of the Leviathan. Okay, here we go. Lainey knew these older games relied more on patience and wit than skill and speed. Using the keyboard and cursors to control whatever was happening, rather than a joystick or wireless controller. She hit return, and she was off. Lainey? Lainey? Lainey jumped as she turned to see her dad staring impatiently at her from the bedroom door. I have been calling you for five minutes. Dinner's ready, come on down, please. Dinner? Lainey looked at her watch and was shocked. She'd been playing Lair for five whole hours. She threw the pasta down her neck and excitedly told her dad about the game. He was thrilled yet puzzled. He considered himself a quasi expert and yet had never heard of the game. Dad, go look it up, she said, jumping from the table and heading back up to her room. I'd love to know more about it. Her dad came back up to the bedroom and she again couldn't believe she had been staring at the screen for several more hours. As he said goodnight, he told her he had been unable to find anything at all about the game, which was odd. Over the next few days, Lainey barely moved from her desk. The game itself was extremely basic and very simple consisting of various tasks and riddles to solve before entering a Pac-Man-esque maze. She was whizzing through the levels. Things were becoming a little more complex now, and the game had seemed to glitch on occasion, 
especially after the riddles when she was in the maze. A couple of times it had even flashed up the words, someone else has entered the lair, which was impossible since she was the only person playing and the PC had no internet connection. On the seventh day, she reached level 100 and there was another new development. A second health bar had appeared and would count down as she solved the task and lower if she lost lives in the maze. By the time her dad was home from work, her health was under 50%. Laney, he admonished. When did you last go outside? Get some air. You look wiped out. The next day, he came home to her lying on the bathroom floor, having thrown up several times. Her health bar that time was under 30. He made her promise to stay in bed, rest, which she did, until she heard the front door close again. Annoyingly, the game was glitching again. It hadn't reloaded her lives or health. It was still showing at 28%. Her stomach gurgled, but she fought through the nausea. Soon enough, as soon as she entered the maze, the usual tiny dot began to chase her. But when she looked closely, she saw there was another dot on the screen. Instead of just her and the Pac-Man-like ghost, something else was moving about, and sure enough, the message popped up. Something else has entered the lair. And then the front door opened again, although slowly, the creaking sending a shiver down her spine. Dad? She called out hesitantly. Nothing. Then she heard the footsteps on the stairs. She stared at the screen, the second strange dot getting closer to her character. The footsteps stood right outside her door as the dots on the screen also lined up next to each other. Suddenly, the monitor went dark and then started to flash, the same word being repeated over and over. Warning, warning, warning. Laney was still staring at the screen in terror when the creature reached their arm around her neck and slit her throat with one swift motion. As she bled out, motionless on the chair, the scream went back to the maze scene. She heard the thump back down the stairs and the sound of the front door closing again. Just before she lost consciousness, Laney saw a final message flash up on the screen. Something has left the lair. Game over, Laney. Have you ever wanted something so much that you took it even though it was wrong? Were there consequences or did you get away with it? The Black Eyed Kids became an internet urban legend sensation. Everyone knows you're not supposed to say their name, but by the time you know if they're real or not, you may not live to tell about it. Like in this story by Colin Austed. I used to teach math at middle school in the Southwest. I left mid-year and will never go back. One day after class, I was at my desk grading papers. Everyone had gone home and I had the whole building to myself. I'd done this a few times and I actually enjoyed the silence. It was a really nice change from all that noise that I had to deal with all day long. It was about 6 p.m. when I heard a knock. At first, I thought it was coming from my classroom door, but as I opened it and looked around, there was no one there. 
The hallway was dark and empty, and so I ventured out to see where it was coming from. When I reached the front entrance, I heard it again. There was one quick knock, followed by a harder one, and then a longer one. It sounded as if someone was hitting the door with a stick. Confused, I opened it up a crack and peeked out into the early evening. There, on the front steps, was a small boy and girl, seeming to be about eight or nine years old. Both wore jeans, and despite the warm spring evening air, both also wore sweaters with the hoods pulled up around their heads. Can you help us? The girl asked me, her eyes not meeting mine. I didn't recognize them, but it was a large school and I didn't know every child. Where are your parents? I asked, pushing the door open a little wider. Did they forget to pick you up? They'll be here soon, said the boy. Can we come inside and use the phone? Not wanting these kids to be left outside alone in the dark, I started to open the door when the girl finally looked up at me. I felt my gut sink down to my stomach as I saw that her eyes were completely black. There were no whites at all, and as we made eye contact, I felt an overwhelming sensation to run in terror. Can we please come in? Repeated the boy, and he too looked up at me, obsidian orbs boring into me. My palm was slick with sweat as I slammed the door shut in their faces. My fingers shook so bad that I almost didn't get the lock engaged. I leaned against the wood, and from the other side, I could feel the kids rhythmically knocking. Let us in, let us in, let us in. They chanted, their voices growing deeper with every word. We just need to use the phone. I moved from the door and back down the hallway, but as I ran, I could hear them knocking on every window. I covered my eyes trying to shut out the sound as I made it to my classroom and slammed that door shut too. As I breathed a sigh of relief, I closed my eyes and tried to pretend that it was all a bad dream. That's when I heard the tapping on my classroom windows. My eyes snapped open as I stared out the dark glass. I could see them, both of them, right outside, staring on. Just open the door. Their voices were more adult now, as I crawled under my desk and wrapped my hands around my ears. The knocking continued still, as well as their pleading to be let in. I curled up on my side, hands over my ears, and praying for the dawn to come early. The next morning, the custodian came into my classroom, and that's where he found me, curled up under my desk. I tried to tell them what happened, but of course, they didn't believe me. They all thought I had a mental breakdown and I was taken to the hospital the next day. I've never taught again, nor have I ever gone back to that school. Now, I jump every time I hear a knock at my door and I always peek out the window to first see if it's them. The B-E-K. Black-eyed kids. So, to those of you listening, make sure you always check to see if your visitor has black eyes before you let them in. And whatever you do, don't say their name. If you do, they'll never leave. Do you believe in the BEK? Do you think they're real? Would you be brave enough to summon them to find out? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie Strange as she tells the tale inspired by a creepypasta. 
which we have also animated and posted over on youtube.com slash snarled. Addie transferred schools in the middle of the school year. Being the new kid was hard enough, but being very quiet and shy made it more difficult to adjust. She desperately tried to make herself as invisible as possible, but still always felt different. During lunch, she sat by herself and she stayed on the sidelines during gym. And whenever the teacher took attendance or began to ask the class questions, Addie would slink down low in the chair and then she would start to bite her nails or what little was left of them. In math one day, Daryl noticed that Addie had bitten her nails so low, she had drawn blood. A nasty note circulated throughout the classroom. It was a drawing of Addie as a vampire with blood dripping from her lips. Her classmates snickered at her at the accurate yet cruel drawing. The mocking only added to Addie's anxiety. When she noticed her cuticles were bleeding, she switched over to chewing on one of her pencils or she would distractly chomp on her hair. Her classmates were so repulsed by this. These odd tics were so noticeable, even her teacher was so concerned. She eventually asked Addie to stay after class to talk, but having attention drawn to her only made Addie's nerves worse. She began to sweat and she clutched her belly. The nerves made the flutters inside her feel stronger, a carnivorous pit right in her gut. The pain was all so consuming. Addie told her teacher she knew she was different and it stressed her out. Her parents had assured her that no one in school would understand the real her and she would try to keep to herself and focus on the schoolwork and survive the rest of the year. The teacher scoffed at what she felt was terrible parenting advice. She assured Addie all new students felt this way and she would be fine. It would just take some time. Over the next few weeks, Addie felt like everyone's eyes were on her. She began frequently asking to go to the bathroom, but the teachers caught on and refused. One day, her leg was shaking so furiously, Addie pleaded with the teacher, causing a terrible scene. Addie could feel her stomach churn as she desperately begged. Some of the kids looked on laughing and the teacher eventually relented and gave her a hall pass. Addie quickly raced off to the bathroom, but didn't return within the usual amount of time. Another classmate was sent to check in on her, Frida. Frida was a sweet and shy person herself. And when she entered the bathroom, it seemed empty, aside from a stall at the far end. Besides the knock of the plumbing, she heard with what sounded like a hungry animal gnawing at something. Addie? She asked. No reply. Frida bent down to see if she could spot her classmate's shoes in the end of the stall, but nothing. She figured Addie was hiding, maybe from the strange noises. Addie? She called again. This time, the sound stopped. Frida announced herself and swore that she was just there to make sure that Addie was okay, and yet still no answer. Frida continued, telling her she knew what it was like to be nervous. Frida gave a shaky laugh and admitted up till that point that she too had been afraid to speak to Addie, even though she wanted to since the beginning, since they seemed so much alike. Signs of movement came from the stall as Addie put her feet down. She called through the door to Frida, asking if what she said was really true, if she really felt nervous. Frida assured her that she also got that feeling of utter dread in the pit of her stomach, the one that makes you feel like you're going to die. 
Yes, replied Frida. Addie let out a huge sigh of relief. She was so glad that she no longer felt alone. Someone understood. Maybe she wasn't the only one of her kind in the school like her parents had presumed. She excitedly emerged from the stall. Frida gasped and momentarily forgot how to breathe. Noticing Frida's silent scream, Addie's eyebrows furrowed in concern. What's wrong, friend? Frida stared at the missing limb, her body trembling. Addie looked at the stump, blood beginning to soak through the napkin, and added curiously, Wait, don't yours grow back too? This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.